everyone, and welcome to episode 470 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week. Kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How are you this fine Monday, Richard? Good morning, Seth. I'm I'm slowly withering away here. Uh, <laughs> I got I went to a, I went to a pre-release and got into a bar fight. Like, check this, check this. <laughs> if, if you're checking the camera, no, I okay. I have I pink like, eye. You really? No, I have. Oh, like my face is all messed up. I have literally every never have stuck a stuck with guys. the first version. <laughs> Yo, I got I got COVID. I got hand, foot, mouth. I got RSV. I got pink eye. You get every serious disease. <laughs> that's, that's like every disease I've seen on the news in the past two years, Richard. That's right. And, and, and your little kids bring them home every day. And you're just like, I'm just trying to play some Magic the Gathering. And today my eye is pink and I feel terrible. But here we are. So here I we thought are. that came from like people farting on your pillows. <laughs> what? Uh, it kind of... It, it kind of is because uh, the the toddlers like basically do that all day. <laughs> just okay, word. Oh. Well, we also have another co-host in Krim. Krim, how how are your eyes? Uh, pink at all? Or are you good? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, they're they're just completely fine for now. Knock on wood. Good, good. Uh, I I got I went out to a concert over the weekend, and Ooh. I went to a punk like kind of like hardcore concert and i got slightly kicked out i got i got like essentially booted out for stage diving off a bunch of stuff uh (laughs) i i I led this whole stampede essentially of people that jumped over some rail are you not allowed to stage dive because every weekend you tell the stories of your stage diving (laughs) (laughs) well i guess it's like what i stage dove from (laughs) Uh, a tiered venue i dove off the thing and then this way a ton of people could get into the pit because the pit was oddly sectioned off in one of these events so that then led to me me being the only one that got kicked out from the security because i'm the only one that they caught because they i was noticeable i had my my king's jersey on in la and then my it's funny because like my roommate tells me oh yeah thanks to you i was able to make it in so i'm like like, thanks for (laughs) for getting detained for me so yeah for the team (laughs) yeah you know the people's champ if you would uh, anyway, today we're going to be bouncing around. We have a bunch of like weird little topics that we're going to be getting to. The new set doesn't drop until tomorrow, so we don't really have that to talk about yet. So we're going to be talking about <laughs> some new secret layers, some issues there. There was a pretty interesting video by uh, CGB talking about how he's retiring, quote unquote, is the, the title of it that we want to talk about a bit. Uh, there's some MKM news, Murders of Karlov Manor. How is this set selling? Some standard news. So we're going to be bouncing all over the place today and then answering some fish mail questions. Before we get to all that, though, a reminder that today's show is brought to you by Card Conduit. And Card Conduit's the easiest way to sell your magic cards. If you ever get hassled, uh, tired of the hassles of buy listing, you should use Card Conduit, which lets you skip them. You can use their curated service and send in as many cards as you want with a buy list value of a dollar or more and pay just a 5% service fee. And if you want to do a bit of work, you can use this sorted service where you list and sort your cards in advance and pay just a 2% fee. And either way, you're going to get a detailed report with the results and a fast payment once your order is processed. And you can even get another 10% off by heading over to cardconduit.com slash mtdgoldfish. Card Conduit, they're the easiest way to sell your magic cards. So thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And let's talk some magic. And let's start with, I don't know, I got to I gotta talk about the secret layer drop. Uh, so they're, they're spoiling the... <laughs> 
the the winter secret layers super drop so they do these every season the big the big amount of uh, secret layers so they've been spoiling them over the weekend one in specific though uh, caught my eye richard what a uh, what is this controversial secret layer drop that's about to release all right um <clears throat> i don't know how to describe it they they look like old school like <clears throat> tarot cards or playing cards but it's basically Black and white. So all the cards are black and white, but the, the cards in the set are from all colors. So the cards are Price of Progress, Eternal Witness, Wall of Omens, Circular Logic, Screaming Symmetry. The problem is uh, Circular Logic declares it's a sorcery. Uh, it's actually a counter spell. It's a counter target spell. Unless it's a controller pays one what? for each card in your graveyard. Uh, Madness Blue. So there's just a straight up typo here. And... People just taking this opportunity to meme all over lots. Like, you can't read the card. So, like, Circular Logic is, like, especially egregious here because it's actually circular, question mark, logic, question mark. <laughs> and then the type is actually too generic, man. It's sorcery, blue, <laughs> right? So, like, it's all over the place. But we don't know if this is a real error. If this is just a, like, a digital error that they can fix before it's gone to print or it'll actually go stop, to print stop 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 before you do that before you know this gets out there i need you all to stop complaining about it stop pointing it out because i want this before <laughs> it, like i want Crim this i want it to say sorcery complain wants, about it after i've acquired wants the misprint <laughs> yeah well, there, there, there's a there's a card from that? portal that's a counter yeah that has sorcery it is it. you got that it, do you play yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. I mean, I don't play it, but I own it. Right? Uh, that's and and I, you know, I remember Wild Mongrel. I remember like all of that when that was in standard. This was played with it. Uh, and yeah. and will I ever play this? No. But can I? I just want to own more sorcery speed counter spells so that eventually someday, hey, maybe I'll dust them off to play with. I mean, yeah. Okay, I, let's let's pretend it's that instant. Oh. Are you digging this? <laughs> no, Are you digging I this secret. I actually didn't care about this drop. Uh, at f first off, a when I when I first saw it, I thought it was a Rorschach test, and I was like, "Oh, that's kind of cool, like ink plots." Then I realized, <laughs> no, nope, that's like not it. it. It's not, but it's not that. So then I was like, "Oh, okay, this one isn't for me." And then I heard Circular Logic was sorcery, and I was like, "Wait." Now it is for me, but now. only circular logic. I don't care about anything else. <laughs> what? But if they undo it, I don't want this drop. Why would I want this? I have so many questions about this drop. So obviously the circular logic thing, someone messed something up there, whether it's the actual printed cards or the advertisement for it on the website. Something got messed up there. I guess we'll see once they release it. They're doing the like pre-printing secret layer drops now. So I think that increases the odds that it could be a real mistake, but we'll have to wait and see. What do you think about just like the look of these cards? Like that's that's the other thing. I don't know if this is like a real issue or not, because how many people play secret layers, but they don't really like, I don't know. Don't colors mean a little something? Isn't that like a way that you can tell what your opponent's doing? Like at a glance, the color and the art of a card. And these are like just so different. They're so black and white. You would never know Price of Progress is a red card or Eternal Witness is a green card. Has it gone too far? Like, is this just, is there a line with these secret layers where like we cross it and it's like, okay, we gotta, we gotta chill with this or doesn't it matter in 2024? I mean, I don't think that there's anything like egregious or anything that's ridiculous or, you know, kind of absurd compared to like any of the other secret layer drops, right? 
this is just one of many. And like, you know, we had, we had, okay. was it Trim, weird? Trim is weird a boner, double feature <laughs> He's, but, but think about it. There's weird, like, what is it? The, the private part on the, on the worm stone coil serpent. You remember the little dude in the back, like that, that misprint in the art. And then that got taken out. So I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not too worried. This is just like one of many things. And there's, oh, there's going to be more nonsense coming down the, the pipeline. I just don't care about this one specifically. So I, I, I say this. So, so this side is interesting because it has three cards that I play heavily. So th this, this actually is one that I, I could buy. I would think it's a lot better if you just kept everything the same, including the illegible text, but just made the background like the color the card is supposed to be. So Price of Progress would be like a light red background. Eternal Witness would be a light green. Because when I look at it, my brain hurts. Like Eternal Witness yeah. looks great. I love the flavor text. It's like witness me as I witness you and like the trippy eyes and everything. And I like Wall of Otters. The text is so <laughs> illegible that you can't even read omens. <laughs> That's fine. But I draw the line and all the cards look white. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know about this. And same with the... Uh, what are they called? The the dossier frames or whatever from yeah. Um, At least those have a little murders. color in them, right? Yeah, they from, have a little they, color, a little, but, but it, it's yeah. not enough for me. And same with double feature, where the whole set was just whoa, black. and you're just oh, like, be cool, be cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I like my cards to represent the color, and I'm fine with it being utterly unreadable, uh, but. It has to be the right color, I think, just to just to get the thing across. Especially when the the mana cost wasn't even in the right place, like the the mana cost is like at the bottom and in the left or whatever. It's like all over the place, so you can't even tell at a glance what color this card is supposed to be. And uh, if you're like a pyroblast player, you're in shambles. <laughs> you're like, what color is that card? Is it colorless? Is it colorless? <laughs> I mean, and it's it's uh, somehow getting even like wonkier than that. Did you see the I think their pro tour promos like the inspiring overseer that was like a couple of weeks ago, like that one just kind of has the wrong color. Like they it looks like a the, red card, but it's actually a white card. Cards. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I don't know. I, I kind of wish Wizards would take that into account. I really like the art on these, uh, this new secret layer drop. It looks really cool. Like, the style of it is really sweet, even with the illegible text. But I do like that magic cards, are, you know, you can quickly recognize what's going on by the color. And I think the more we get to this, the just the harder it is to track what's going on in the board state. So what do you think about the circular logic thing? So it, do you... Yo, by the way, just, just like, give me the illegible pill. I'm so yeah, in on it. I love the case spot. <laughs> <laughs> I love the base of they're my favorite. I love my my black oh, black grim. consuming uh, tide. At, uh, at least those have a touch of color too. Like I was your consuming tide. There's a little blue in there, right? Like at least it looks a little yeah, like sure. a blue card. A little but bit. But I mean the case files, right? That's some things that people didn't like, but I think they're amazing. Look, it's like it's I mean, exactly I mean, they're all subtle, but this is just non-existent. It's not like you can like tilt the card and see that it's green. You know, you know what true, I really want? I, I was watching our unboxing video, Seth. Uh, we have an unboxing mm -hmm. channel, by the way. Seth cracked uh, a Karloff Manor and Invisible Ink. So I want a card that is 100% Visible Ink. So when you put it down, <laughs> it just looks like a sheet of foil. And you're like, what is this garbage? <laughs> but then you hold it at like one degree and you find out it's a double-faced like saga double face planeswalker flip thing with 800 abilities and then you gotta like try to read 
The invisible Richard. That, that's what I want. You know that you know that exists, right? You meme on it, but Yu-Gi-Oh literally has that. It's called go like ghost foil. And it's like <laughs> you already know how tiny Yu-Gi-Oh font is. I I wish I had realized it before cracking the box because apparently they look really cool under the black light. Apparently you're supposed to black light them and it stands out because I, I was like trying wait. to get the light in the right like way to read it. And someone in the comments was like, dude, you're just supposed to put under a black light and it all stands out. I was like, oh, encouraging you to you to bring a black light to your LGS. Is that <laughs> yeah? Is, Pro that, Tour is that what the they're going light. for here? <laughs> Why would you do this? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking with that, but it is it is creative. I would say. Who has a what black light? What? Yeah, that's what I said. I was like, yeah, I would have had to really plan ahead for that because I don't actually have a black light. It's twenty twenty four. Why would I have that? I don't I, think what? I'm black lighting anything in an LGS. <laughs> 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 What do you make of the circular logic thing? Because I was wondering, like, so uh, Murders at Carlisle Manor drops tomorrow. Traditionally, the week before, they do early access event where, like, you get to play early and it's like a big community day and show off the set. But they canceled it because they fired the person who ran it. Do you think, like, we're seeing an impact to the layoffs that happened a few months ago? Do you think, like, early access being canceled, the circular logic sorcery thing, is this stuff that is, like, pointing at just, like, the lack of manpower at Watsi now, like there's no one there to double check their secret layers to make sure they're the right card types because they fired so many people. Like, are we seeing real world impacts of those layoffs or is this just a fluke and there's no correlation there? You know, it's funny as I think that they do it enough to where I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I will say that I do think that the impacts uh, of like the the layoffs will be felt and we already have with the early access event and stuff like that. But when it comes to quality coming down and getting released, they as as we've said, right, they do this all the time. So it's such I can't tell when it's 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 like a mess up and like because of the, maybe the layoffs or is that just naturally them? Like do they do this all They're just the messing time. up anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like even if they had full like workforce, would this still happen? Maybe. I wonder if you can make a full deck out of just like mass mistakes from wizards. Yes. Like you're mm. thinking of like if you go all the way back to like what was it Serendipity or whatever, like the blue card yep. and the, the, the green yep. card in a blue frame, or was it vice versa? Uh, like, there's. I a think lot if you them. include foreign language cards, it's like a slam dunk. Like I, I remember, you know, crib, the, your Ashiok, fisherman, Korean, <laughs> Korean Ashiok, plus one Ashiok, your plus one yeah. Ashiok. So I don't think it's layoff related, but who knows? But, you know, I, I, I think it's actually just like these cards are unreadable anyway, and people don't bother trying to read them. They're like, oh, it's a new secret layer. What is this? Okay, go to print. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> Plus, it's I don't know logic. what card it is. Like, I probably wouldn't have even caught this if I was just reading it, right? It's not a card that season of play but also you don't check type lines usually right like it, it i can I see it passing true. through the casual eyes of most people and you kind of need a dedicated qa person who's explicitly looking for these things so i can see how it could pass through the social media person and the person that gave it to them because like Who's reading the type line? Like scheming symmetry can yeah. said instant. I probably wouldn't have noticed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess that's actually true, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if it's a real mistake. I know they deleted their tweet with it when they were showing it off. So I don't know if that means anything. I haven't seen them actually Aww. address whether it's a real mistake or not, but they did uh, delete their tweet as of this morning that was showing off this uh <laughs> this layer drop. So anyway, uh let's let's keep moving on. So 
CGB, who you probably know, uh, does a lot of standard content on Magic Arena, one of the biggest, best of one, the biggest, best of one content creator, I think, on Arena, posted a video, I think yesterday, a couple days ago, that was titled, I'm Retiring, which the title, a little bit clickbaity, he's not actually retiring, but he might eventually, blah, 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 but he had an interesting take on, on standard, where pretty much, he was pretty critical of standard in general, and his, the I'm Retiring thing was him basically saying, I gotta play standard every day because that's what people want on my uh, channel. But standard, because there's no rotation this three-year thing, it's made it really hard for me to make content. I have a hard time making cool, interesting brews because I'm just playing against these same dominant decks from the past years. He called out, I think, Shieldred and Swift Spear as two cards, especially in Best of One, that he's just seeing again and again and again. And he's not enjoying playing the game the way he used to be. What do you make of this? So do you think this is, is this a concern? Like CB, uh, CGB is like a pretty big name in standard content. For him to kind of come out and just like trash the format like that, does this mean anything? What do you think of his critique of, of standard and making content for it? This is I so mean, clickbaity. <laughs> the title was pretty clickbaity. But it, it's been clickbaited by him, but also indirectly by him because... There, there is a, spe a special context you need to view this through, and that is he only plays best of one. So does best of one standard sucks? Probably. I don't know. Right? Like, I, I think the complaint is he's played against mono red for literally three years. <laughs> like, like, the same mono red deck has been, like, dunking him, like, for three years, and, like, that's the way best of one rolls, right? But we have best of three. Best of one's a casual format, and... You know Wizards doesn't balance it as well as they can, right? Like, it, yeah. it's it's supposed to be like you fire it up on your toilet, you play, and you, you, you go on your merry day, and that's it. Like, best of three is what the majority of, I would say, enfranchised people play, right? And, and CGB is an enfranchised person trying to make content for casual people. So, like, he's like, oh, my God, best of one is, like, sucking my the soul out of my life. I'm like, I don't know. Like, that that's kind of expected, right? If best of three was that bad then standard has a problem, right? Because best of three, you have sideboard options. Mono red is not a dominant deck. There's a lot more counterplay. Like you feel like you have agency in your matches. So I think part of the problem is it's best of one. And, you know, he he's very transparent about that, right? It's best of one, right? Yeah. But, you know, when people take it, they're like, oh, CGB's retiring because standard sucks. It's like, well, actually, because standard best of one sucks. But then you'd be like, well, we all kind of do that kind of. Sort of. I'm going to stop that there. <laughs> I'm going to stop that there. Are you a best of one enjoyer, Crip? <laughs> yeah, dude. It's the best way to enjoy the like the format when it comes to making content, right? Because best of three, Casually. that's what you're probably... But I mean, like, like I I won't lie to you. I It's the best... Like, just best of one in general is the best way to make content because you get a wide array of matches. You get faster games. You're not locked into this, like, you know, 45-minute best of three game for one round right so i personally think that that that's why i love doing single scoop it's so much fun and i mean i can understand where he's coming from because at a point you know let's not lie here i like any content creator experience burnout at points but then the one thing that was nice is once i figured out how to get in my lane in my groove and a huge part of that was best of one and best of one standard has been phenomenal uh, it, it, the only difference is like CGB does touch up on is mostly just how you're kind of in this b weird catch 22 where you want to make new decks, you want to play new things, but the decks that you find fun, you like 
CGB wants, he even said it in his video, he wants to make one video or one uh, a video for a deck that he finds fun, but he can't keep playing that because that's not good for content, right? So that's why not every one of my videos are just all Esper Control, because they would be, but the thing here is Oh, I know that would be, Crab. if yeah, we yeah, let like, you. <laughs> that's why I chose the I was allowed to. <laughs> I'll change it up with Grings. How about this? Just blue, black. You know, like, I mean, but... When it comes to being a content creator, you do need to play a wide array of decks. So I can also understand and empathize with the fact that, yeah, like, I mean, it sucks that maybe you have to get paired against the same deck, but that's where you get to do the meme stuff, right? Like, as you've seen me make some super narrow decks that only beat mono red and then just lose to everything else under the sun. So, uh, like, I, I don't know. I, I guess I personally still enjoy the standard best of one or best of three. So much so, as you already know, that I want to get into, like, just actually playing it competitively again. Uh, and then, so I... I I can, but I empathize with him because I also see where, like, you know, the gears are turning in his head and where he's going, what he's talking about. Because all content creators, we all deal with it at some point, right? And it's how you shake the burnout. And as someone, as you know, CGB does it set like what every day for six years. I, yeah, I think like that's a lot of best of one standard if you're doing pretty much daily videos for six years yeah. straight. That's that's a lot. I think so. I think you're right. Like, so I don't like the rotation changes and some of the stuff they've done in standard that he called out there. I'm still like, I don't, I don't know if I'm ever going to get to the point where I would prefer three years of cards in standard over two years of cards in standard. So I really agree with that aspect of it. On the other hand, uh, I think uh, CGB gets the worst of it, right? Because he pretty much exclusively plays best of one and he pretty much exclusively plays standard. So he's just like doing that every single day trying to make a new deck work and that would get really challenging i'm lucky that i can play yeah. timeless or historic or modern or like all these different things but if you're just locked into that one thing it would get very challenging i will say i fired up some best of one today because there's this did you see the bat challenge someone came up with yeah. this this idea yeah, where yeah. you're supposed to somebody brought up in my chat yeah you're supposed to start with just like four deep cavern bats in your deck and lands and then you can add whatever you steal with the deep cavern bats to your deck until you eventually win with it yeah and i will say i played against mono red like oh, so much probably like 40 percent of my matches were mono red and you that became like, mono red yeah is that, <laughs> i pretty much yes i was turning into a rakdos deck is that how best of one is Krim? you play more best of one standard than me like is mono red like an issue is there anything like you would fix in best of one if you could like let's say it wouldn't impact the broader format like would you ban something from best uh, from mono red or anything like is there any actual fixable issues in the best of one format to be honest with you, I, I think I might just be a mascus or a glutton for pain because <laughs> I know it's one in five matchups. CGB talks about it, and that math is actually correct. It is about one in five matches. But I think one the difference here is I talked about my burnout, and I experienced that peak, the worst of it, when it was Eldrain, Throne of Eldrain. And I remember talking to you every day, <laughs> hey, Seth, what can I do to make a video have it matter and not get elked or, yeah, or not get run over by by sitting <laughs> right luck. and that was like sitting there as a content creator and trying to figure out how to get around that made me so miserable that i almost wanted to just spike my computer out the window but i persevered so through it pushing through it it's just like hey i just i guess i'll run my face through the cheese grater today like it doesn't matter as much to me today so like it I think I don't feel it as bad, and I actually enjoy this where it's just mono red. Like, it's like, oh, thank God it's just mono red. <laughs> These are content creator problems. 
And it's yeah. interesting yeah. that it's sent out to the regular people, but like we totally empathize with CGV, but like the random oh, yeah, person totally. will not really understand. And I, I feel CGV is at some point where he's locked in with his audience's expectations. And the way we deal with it is we basically ignore our audience. <laughs> right? Like, like, you know, <laughs> like, so bad. Like, you know, what I mean? so, like, so here, bad. here's a good example. We used to play Moto before Arena came out, right? And when Arena came out, everyone's like, oh, what are you doing? Go back to Moto. Like, Arena is too flashy for my eyes or whatever. I've been watching you play uh, Moto for like 8 million years, right? That's where the, the true competition <laughs> is. And these Arena noobs, it's not, you know, but we're like, look, it's better for content if we do Arena. And I appreciate your feedback. We take that into consideration. But we think this is the way forward. Right? And we just did it. Right? And then we kind of just do what we want, really, essentially all the time. Right? It's the it's the infamous Tomer poll. That embodies all of magic. Where you throw up a poll, being like, what, what deck should I play? And then you just ignore the result entirely. Right? <laughs> you don't choose the number one deck. But you're like, I took that data into consideration, and I'm choosing number four. Thank you. <laughs> and you kind of just need to do it, right? Like, if if you are beholden to exactly what your audience says, especially, like, literally, like, whatever the top uploaded comment is, that may not, may not pan out long-term. And uh, you got you to gotta understand and empathize with where they're coming from, and then you got to use all your experience to make the, the best decision possible for everyone, right? Like, that. that's how it... Yeah, I mean, there's a, it's a bit of like just every functioning relationship you want to compromise, right? So you want to go somewhere yeah. a little before the exact expectation and what you want to do. So this way you kind of stay sane and in the content creation process, because I don't know, I think I'm closing in on six years now with with y'all. So like <laughs> maybe maybe I, I release my I'm retiring video. <laughs> like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like. Uh, but, but like, 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 I, I, like his his uh, experience would be fifty percent different if he just played like uh, Explorer half the time. Can you imagine yeah, just, yeah. just shaving yeah. off like three years of standard from your uh, from your resume? And like, oh, good riddance! I didn't have to play like it's three true, years though. of Modern Red, right? Like, oh, good. I mean, right? I, I I had to sit down. Uh, CGB, wonderful human, great great guy. Loved hanging out with him. He when he came to LA, we went and watched John Wick and uh, four. And this is this is kind of like what we talked about. We we're eating dinner, and I'm just I was telling him the same thing, like. You know, if you want to stay sane, you got to throw something that's not standard in there, man. Like, like <laughs> you're gonna, you're, yeah. I love standard, but I can't play Asper Control every day of the week, or else everyone will yell at me. So the point, the, the thing that's is, a different reason. I told, <laughs> we have our different reasons, but you know, like <laughs> I'm retiring because I can't play Control only. Um, no, like I. I told him about this and we talked about it and, you know, I can tell it was really troubling him and, you know, he was deep in thought and I could see it behind his eyes and, you know, the gear is returning, as I said, and he was kind of just processing things. So, you know, again, I hope that he he works it out and like, I hope that things go well for him because I mean, well, clearly it has gone well for him. He's flexed his numbers. I didn't even know you could make that much money in content, to be honest with you. Uh, the point is, yeah, like, you know, it. It's worked for him. It's great that he's locked in to his, his viewer base, and it, and it's it's clearly showed. But for him, the creator, as you could see, this is where it's catching up to him. So I I do hope that you know like he's able to be successful in his new adventures as well because I I, I love CGB. He's great. He was right there at the arena boom. Uh, you know he was there at the Mythic Invitational. He was one. Of, he gave me an island pendant necklace as a good luck charm. Uh, and and. You know, he's a, he's. I consider him a, a, like a solid friend and an all around great guy. So I hope he just it works out for him. 
So speaking of standard, this is kind of a, a good segue, I think, because we started talking about it. Uh, there's a post on the Arena Reddit that was basically saying uh, they think that extended rotation has them less hyped about standard because they feel like Murders of Karlov Manor isn't going to re really make an impact on the format. That uh, They want to like see the new cards, but they feel like it's not actually going to make an indent because it's going to be the powerful cards that have been there. And then there was also a couple of posts from uh, some big vendors and people who sell cards talking about murders at Karlov Manor. I think the, the biggest one I saw was from uh, uh, Basham Callister uh, was talking about how their pre-release numbers were pretty low. No one's buying these play booster boxes. Like They're having a hard time selling this set. Do you think there's any concern that this set is like kind of flopping? Is this set weaker than we thought it was? Are play boosters in the price increase? Is that scaring people away? Is that going to be a, a bigger issue than we realize that the cheapest booster products like $150 now instead of $100? What do you make of Murders at Karlov Manor? Because it's kind of getting it from both sides, right? You got the digital players who are like, oh, I don't know if these cards are good enough. You got the vendors saying, oh, I'm not really selling these cards. What do you think of MKM as we head to release tomorrow officially online? I I think that there's something to be said here. And it's like, first off, I think we're also coming out of a really bad economic situation. Um, right. That's true. Like people aren't exactly the most eager to spend more money on a price uptick, right? Like on cards, right? So like there there's that. But then there's also the fact that, yeah, there's also just right now. I think there's a bit of also the fact that no one really knows anything about the set because we normally this is where an early access event or something like that. I think that you they would build buzz, right? You kind of get a little bit more of what's mm -hmm. what's going on, what's playable in the set. Okay, is it powerful? Is it not? So right now, I think that to ask if the set is a dud when it comes to power level wise, I think it's way too early, right? It's way too early. We've got a lot of playtesting still do, uh, but when it comes to the economics of it like i do think that the uptick in play boosters is going to be expensive i like play boosters i like the way that they're streamlined i don't have to like buy multiple different packs now i can just draft the ones with the fancy art that can or i mean i can still open up fancy art but the price uptick is a thing that will will be a big you know hindrance on it so i i think right now it's too early to say anything about the format of the set maybe it sells a little bit better after we're a little bit more removed from because we've had an insane amount of layoffs right and and i mean like real bad like there's the huge economic boom all of that and i think that that's going to be you're seeing the collapse of that and i think that's a huge part of why right now the timing is kind of rough right like you got yeah. irl like issues with the economy and layoffs and stuff it's a, a tough time to sell people on pay 50 dollars more for a booster box like if people yeah. are already having to tighten their belts or whatever or for real world purposes it's a tough time to have to spend a lot more for your hobby do you think that's an issue richard like because i guess when they announced play boosters i kind of thought eh, whatever like people get used to it set boosters are popular anyway people are just switch over and buy them is there a downside we're seeing of not having that like low end product where you can feel like, oh, I'm getting my booster box for a hundred bucks instead of 150. Nah, I, so I it's think fine. magic players are addicted. So I, I so <laughs> what what is the definition of addicted? <laughs> it's like when you're doing stuff you shouldn't. So magic players will be like, I'm going to skip lunch to buy some cards, right? Like, like stuff like that. So I actually don't, I mean, yes, the economy is going to have some factor here, but I don't think it's as big as, other things because we are so addicted and like 
Like, you better believe if they allowed you to somehow buy reserve list dual lands at half the price, people would be scraping other, you know, together like every penny they could and taking out a out loan, and buying them. Right? Yeah, like doing yeah. like you know the the a day loans or whatever, like the very predatory stuff. I actually think it's because the set sucks. And really, by that I mean. So let, let's get all content creator on you guys, okay? Uh, we, we're, this is the content creator podcast. It does not have an easy selling hook. So when when you say something like Lord of the Rings, you're just like Lord of the Rings. That's all you need to know. You drop that one phrase, people come by. You're like, excellent, dinosaurs, okay? You're like, anime cards, right? What What is that like one second hook for murders? You're like, clue, mystery, murder set on Ravnica, like, eh, right? Like, guilds, eh. Like, Ravnica, eh. We've done it, like, a thousand times. There's no easy hook. I bet you if this set had anime cards, it would it would do a lot better. I bet you if this set was, Richard, like, that's just a vanilla, that's an evergreen <laughs> statement. Like, you know, like, come on now. That's unfair. If, you if can't it was, like, it. Outlaws or something where you're, like, Western or something, like, people, like, would get actually excited and it's easy to explain. Wait. Wait, hold on. You think Outlaws is more exciting than this? Yes. Oh, yeah. I think, I think the novelty... Like the time to a planes that we've seen a million times or, like, brand new setting that you've never heard of. Like, that, you know, Look, it's so easy to understand, I, like, Western. And you're like, okay. Westerns are so boring, though. But I like Cowboys, than Clue, the idea no? of a Cowboy Oak. <laughs> but Clue yeah, is Clue dope. is, like, my grandma. That's, that's like, 19... 19- <laughs> what? Okay, so... I might be on a little tinfoil hat here, but I'm like 85% convinced that Hasbro went to Watsi and made them make this set. And we're like, hey, it's Clue 75th anniversary. We really want to make this big. You're making okay. a set that's a murder mystery. Figure out how to make it work. Mark Rosewater, go. Like, I, I actually am like kind of thinking that's a possibility at this point because I feel like this is going to be the weakest standard set of the year. Like, all the other hooks, like modern horror, Old West, even the like animal one are like uh, more appealing to me than this one like to me this that seems I, there's a card i'm excited to play with but the theme really didn't hit it i don't know is ravnica wearing off ravnica is such an iconic plane have we just went to it too much like i see this since we're doing the content creator thing like decks are like that right like panharmonicon's cool but if i play a panharmonicon deck every week it gets less cool because you are know what panharmonicon does you've seen it a million times before Not are true. we play esper all the with, time are we getting to that point with Ravnica? Is Ravnica no longer just a guaranteed slam dunk plane? Like, we need a banger. We're going to Ravnica because everyone loves Ravnica. I feel like maybe we've gotten to that point because we've just seen it so many times now. I, I, I think that there is something to say about more so the theme. Uh, like Richard had mentioned here. Yeah, maybe the clue part isn't as exciting to others. I personally love it, but, you know, I'm not the universe and I'm not the world, obviously. So, but the one thing... I will say about is Ravnica too much? To be honest with you, I don't care because <laughs> I care about the cards. Right? I, the plane itself, the only thing I like is that I get to see more Demir stuff. So that makes me happy. That always sparks this like level of joy, right? But to be honest with you, what world and plane it's on actually doesn't matter. You could tell me we're returning to to <laughs> homelands or whatever. <laughs> and and like, and yeah, maybe homelands originally sucked, but if the initial theme, the gimmick of the set is cool enough, then I'm in. So it doesn't matter where it is. The gimmick matters more than anything else. So so Richard does have a point though. And maybe the idea that the clue and 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 the whole murder mystery thing just is really cool for all like 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 you know. 
b- boomers. Let's just say it. Boomers <laughs> and, and people who actually enjoy playing Clue. Me. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe that's why. And maybe the gimmick isn't as popular um, because it doesn't sit as well, right? Like it, it doesn't sell a set. Okay. Like, I, I how do you go from, from God's, we're, we're how do you go from God's, Rakdos, all of that? And then it's like, okay, well now imagine if they were just a detective. <laughs> so maybe that doesn't work because the power scaling of the world that it's in. So I can totally understand why it wouldn't uh, work as well. But for me, it's just funny. And I like the gimmick of detective stuff. I mean, I told you I want a courtroom drama set. <laughs> the the mechanical gimmick is so bad, too. And Tinfoil Hat, the, the CEO of Hasbro, probably invented Morph. Because you have Morph and Manifest. And then they made like one of the worst <laughs> mechanics of all time called Megamorph. <laughs> okay and then they're like oh you know what we should do just give it more too you know and then you have freaking cloak in disguise like the stupidest like this is like when you more copy and paste your friends an homework and then you plant. copied their name and you're like wait a minute <laughs> y'all just I, heard it right here morph is an industry plant oh I, man dude I, I I will say I I know what you're saying though because I ran into this uh, we're doing this week for Commander Clash we're playing the Murders at Carlisle Manor precon decks I had the the face down deck and I was trying to like just look through the deck that's the CEO's actually, favorite deck by the way yeah that's the CEO's <laughs> favorite deck obviously but it's kind of convoluted right that I have like manifest and cloak and disguise and morph and mega morph I have like five different mechanics that are essentially the same thing but they're all like slightly differently and all have different different names and like slightly different twists so it is kind of like a, a little bit convoluted i would say on that end as well so yeah i don't know this at it's i don't know if it's gonna do it for me i guess the good news in 2023 is like two weeks from now we'll be talking about fallout <laughs> commander you know universes beyond and then we'll have cowboys <laughs> coming so i, I have a question for you seth so you mentioned universes yes. beyond and you mentioned so what are the what are the planes that people hold near and dear, right? Like Ravnica, Zendikar, Dominaria, Innistrad, Innistrad. Yeah. Do those have any weight at all to you? Because I would rather go to a random new planes than return to any of these, bar like Kamigawa, like like the the planes that were so bad the first time around, and we haven't been back. Like I would go to return to homelands, but other than that. I don't want to see another Dominaria set. Like, give me a random... What, it could be any concept. It could be literally, like, office comedic drama or something, right? Like, nothing to do. It's like, that's got to be better than returning to Dominaria for, like, the fifth time. Uh, so I actually do not like any returns, re- regardless of the hook. I I kind of like the first return. I think I think I don't mind going back to a plane once. I think we've had some really good ones. Like I think Return to Ravnica was a really good like return of block. I wonder how much of it blocks plays into it as well. Like the change from blocks to no blocks. But I don't mind going back once. But I do think for me, like at this point, some of those iconic planes, the third and fourth time, it's just it's too much. Like this fourth time to Ravnica, and it's like a murder mystery set. Like this didn't have to be Ravnica, right? I guess they wanted iconic characters for the murder mystery but i'm not even sure if that like works is like argus cross and like atrada are those like iconic characters they're like kind of known but i don't know if they're like s tier the most iconic characters in magic so i kind of wish they just went someplace else with it as well honestly flavor wise it feels more like streets of new capenna to me like i think that i guess the issue there is there were no cops and they needed cops in this set or no like law enforcement aspects so that kind of crossed that one off the table but but yeah i i like the first return beyond that though i'd rather go someplace new what about you graham do you like the just 
the, the third and fourth return to places? Or would you rather go someplace new where you don't care? It's just the cards. If the cards are good, the cards are good. Yeah. Like, I mean, all I care, I care more about familiar faces and probably the gimmick of the set more than anything, right? So, yeah, the idea of of Cowboys, Cowboy Oko or something like that, Cowboy Vraska, that's funny. Like, that's funny. That that has me interested, but I see that gimmick wearing off pretty quick. So it really matters what the cards are doing. Um, but Duskmorn, now that set, I, I don't, I'm sold. It's already the best set of the year. I don't. What's Duskmorn? I, that's a horror Duskmorn. one, right? Yeah, that's 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 Wait, the horror. Is that, is that not Innistrad? What's the difference between that and Innistrad? But it's got it. See, the difference here is it's taking place in a house and a mansion, and it makes me think of. Oh, like, is this Resident favorite. Evil? The, the it's Resident supposed to be modern think, horror. It of, like, it's yeah, supposed it's to be modern, modern like horror movies. What the heck does that like, mean? Yeah, I don't watch horror movies. <laughs> um, so it's, horror. it's it's horror movies with like grief, uh, solitude. Uh, so featuring all your favorite <laughs> elementals. What? Uh, that's so like yes. <laughs> I'm so confused. Oh wait, I might I might be misinterpreting what they meant by modern horror. Yeah. Uh, but... <laughs> oh. <laughs> or for Richard, I guess. I'm a little slow. with Dread Knight. <laughs> that's not a horror. That's a horror for if you're facing off against me, man. <laughs> I I just gonna say that modern horrors. So you're gonna see a lot of like maybe think like Conjuring, and that's what I'm imagining right now. The Conjuring and things like that, movies like that. Yeah. Um, and that has me really hyped, right? I love I love anytime there's a horror setting, and you're telling me it's in narrow hallways and spooky mansions. Sign me up, unless you mean actually go to one. I don't want to go to one. <laughs> oh yeah so it'll be interesting i'm curious if you're listening to this are you buying a murders at carlo manor box how are you interacting with the set because i'm very curious what the rest of the community is doing but let's set up a, another topic or two before we uh, get to fish mail uh i did want to mention i noticed this because i was opening some booster boxes this week uh sam ristic studies did a video about the histories of foils in magic that it's really good it's like super in-depth it's like over an hour tons of research but i was watching it it made me realize are foils special anymore? Do we need foils in 2024? Like, should we just get rid of them all together? I guess part of what I learned from the video is like foiling kind of became a thing in the 90s and was like a hot thing where they were putting it on like toothpaste and it actually started with Pokemon. They were the first ones to start doing foils uh, in Watsi, like kind of ripped it off from them when they started making Pokemon cards. But like it became this big, this big thing trend at the time. But has outlived its usefulness. Like now I feel like foils, if you open a collector booster, pretty much everything's foils. So they're not really special anymore. And then you have like the curling issues and all that kind of stuff. Have foils just outlived their usefulness? Should we just retire them? Let's not lie here. I the idea of retiring them, I, I may not like the foils, but you know, like the idea of retiring them seems uh not likely to happen. I don't I I think all they need to do is change the foiling. It's okay, not that so foils are bad. Like like the, the problem is the inconsistencies, right? You have Commander Legends and God, I love that opposition agent in foil, but also God, it's terrible. It's a Pringle. Uh but then you have the wonderful etched foils. So like the Junji Ito secret layer and and the Yoji Shinkawa foils, like those were awesome. Just make it consistent. Do a lot of what you did with the Junji Ito foiling for the secret layer. Not not whatever you've been currently doing. I don't understand. They must have a bunch of different foiling contracts out there between different companies for different drops and different releases because 
yo, some of them are real clean. And then there's real bad ones. <laughs> God, there's a lot of bad ones. Oh, God. So experiment <laughs> more with the types of foiling, but keep foiling. Would that be? Yeah. That would be your vote, Krim? Yeah. Yeah. Foil, foil suck. <laughs> because yeah. they... Because of the rep, right? Like, you're not turning illegal. You're like, what? Like, what? Like, and I I'm just going to say, like, foil is supposed to be more premium. But uh, magic cards, like, suck. <laughs> like, like, have you have you touched another card <laughs> game? Like, say, One Piece? Mm, like, yes, Richard. from One Piece feels higher quality than whatever foil you're pulling. And also in One Piece, like, you're... Your good cards, like the higher rarity cards, are all foiled by default. But if you just take a random common, the weight of the card is like so much weightier. It's not flimsy. You feel like you can't break it. And there's like a nice sheen like finish on it that that makes you think it's foil, even though it's not. Like, so like magic cards just kind of suck. And we're kind of stuck with this like, if you print a card today, you need to be able to shuffle it up with the cards from 1995 and play in tournament. And that restricts what wizards can do. Because I'm sure wizards would like to print high-quality cards, but they can't, right? Because in 1995, they chose... Well, actually, no. This may not even be true. So if you hold, like, a third edition, a revised card, it is significantly thicker than a normal Magic the, yeah. Ma Magic the Gathering card. So maybe they can do this, and they're just being stingy. Because I would like all the cards to return to that level can of thickness. Can they, though? Why not? Isn't that like so? If they go to, are you, are you talking about like return to like the thickness, like how the Jinji Ito cards are, or are we talking about going thick even thicker? Like you know, okay, revised so, cards—they're like really yeah. meaty compared to whatever they're printing today. Can you do that? It's just, Am I are allowed they? to play with revised no, basics not. in a tournament? Revised cards? They feel they're they just feel sturdier. They feel a lot sturdier. They feel sturdier to. I know what you're saying. I guess. I guess I've never actually researched if that's true or not, but I think like to me it feels like newer cards are just like flimsier than older cards a little bit. Like the the stock they're printed on is not as sturdy or whatever. But maybe maybe that's not true. Like you I, not I'll set so, sets of One Piece cards, man. I, you, you touch yeah, it, you're like, yeah. what the heck's going on with Watsy? <laughs> like, why do we have such such crappy cardboard stock? And if I won't if lie to you, this tournament Richard's legal, right there. We should be able to make thicker cards, right? Otherwise, I've been getting away with it in tournaments by playing my revised basics, which are like double the weight of any other card. <laughs> I mean, we've seen this though, right? We've seen that there is inconsistency in card stock and some of them, like, you can just cut too easier, right? Because they are thicker or they're, they're flimsier or they're more curled. So the problem here is if they go too thick and try to match like the quality that one piece is, is now all the cards of old... And the new cards, you can definitely tell which one is which in a deck. Um, but yeah, like right now, well, I, I casual thought, commander players, it doesn't matter, right? Which I, I guess, yeah. If, if, <laughs> the, if the world is commander, then it doesn't matter. But for competitive integrity, I think that you can't do that. I trust me, I love One Piece, the game, not their tournaments. Um, <clears throat> and and like, I love them, and I think because of that. I have a higher bar for what I expect card quality to be because you're right. One Piece cards are very nice. Even their commons are nice. But <clears throat> I, don't think, I don't think Magic can ever get to that level. I do think that the best that we can get is the foiling that we got on some of the secret layers, the etched foiling and, and all of that. Like just something about that was a lot better. Like my Junji Ito foil cards, 
<clears throat> are are still straightened to this day. The ones that I had to go back and buy because the, my original was stolen off my front porch. But it's fine. Ooh. I think I think just get rid of pack foils. Maybe like the pack foils don't feel special to me anymore. If you want to use foiling with like some special treatment and you do the etch foil or whatever, like if you want to do stuff like that and there's some special treatment, maybe that's fine. Although you still have the like curling issue and sometimes cards like not being legal to play because they're too curled and all that kind of stuff. But I I would like to see the the just like pack foils. They don't mean anything anymore. Like it's kind of sad to me that. A few years ago, that was the most chase treatment, right? The literal best card you could open was your foil seventh edition Birds of Paradise. Like that was the blingest, most expensive version. And now foils to me are just bulk. They're not like, they're just like normal cards. Like I just throw them aside because they come in every collector booster pack. So they've just lost all meaning and excitement. So I don't know what the point is, especially when you have the downside of probably costing more to print and making illegal decks because of the Pringling. So I think they've just served their usefulness. I, I, I got this. So they got to redesign the frame to make the foils pop. So like a new foil card means nothing to me, but an old border foil is magnificent. Like if you look at the old border cards, the foil is significantly better than the non-foil version. And if I didn't have a fear of Pringling or anything like that, my deck would be all about that because... The border color, like the way like the blue cards are, like the when they're in foil, they look like a lot better. You have like the the swish thingamajig going on. Like the cards were just designed around foiling. Nowadays, it's like you can grab a foil and not even tell it's foil, right? You're like, I don't know what this is. Yeah. So I I think they actually should go back to basics, redesign the frame to make foils desirable. Get rid of the stigma. Like, there, there's a thing that it may look great, but I don't know if it will Pringle or not. And I don't know if it's going to be tournament legal. I don't want to deal with it. So I always just get the base version. They need yeah, to unfortunately, fix that, period. That's true. I, I having, having just literally, like, ordered, what is it, this morning, the winter drop or whatever, some of the cards from it, I want the foil, but I don't want to chance it. So I just got the non-foil. And I hot take. They should stop making the weird foils and just focus on the good foil. Because, like, you know, they, they made, what, Surge foil, Galaxy foil, Step and Complete foils. Like, I don't know. There's, like, a million foils now. Like, what if you just channel all that R&D into making, like, the regular foil good? <laughs> right? Like, instead of, like, just making a new foil every set for no reason. Like, just make the foil we have the best foil. Like, you, you see it and you're like, I need to buy it. That's how I feel about One Piece cards. I don't feel that way about magic foiling whatsoever, right? It's not like, oh, that looks amazing. I'm like, eh, it's okay. I'm like, is it going to Pringle? Like, you got to read Reddit to make sure it Pringles or not. And then I can decide whether to buy it. Like, I should just go to the store and just get sucked in, right? Be like, oh my God, that looks so good. Here's my money. Take it, go home, be happy. Yeah. I mean, I like well, so what, do you, special... what do you think? I like well, the galaxy foil. Like some of those actually look pretty cool. I will say like those are those actually still some of them feel special to me, even if I'm kind of anti foil overall. Like some of those I got a galaxy foil like temple garden from the infinity set and it actually like really pops and like sparkles. That's the sparkly so. one, right? What do yeah, you that's like the sparkly think one. Of, what do you both think about like funny enough, uh, you, you've seen the secret layer promo cards, right? That with the artwork done by uh, uh, like Ricardo Cavallo. So do you see the red tint? Yeah. You know, like the red tint. I, mm -hmm. they need to, I want to see those. Those could be cool. Like the red tint because it was by artists, uh, like design or like requested by the artists accordingly that they wanted the red tint over the cards. So what do you think of like 
this is where secret layer can get cool. And let's say when they do more secret layers, like maybe more Magali stuff, um, they let the artist request what kind of foiling goes over it. I, I think the foiling idea is there. I'm just so worried about the, the red, like whether they'll curl or not. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the that's kind of the uh, the kicker there, right? If your card's not going to be legal, it doesn't matter how cool it looks. I mean, yeah. I think that experimenting with it's interesting. And I would, if you haven't watched it, watch the Sam video because it actually one of the things it does that I didn't know is goes into like the actual like here's how they print foils. So it's like seven different layers of ink, and they have to do it in different orders. Here's what the art director and the artist like tell them, and this is how they accent different parts on the card so you can see like how the foils are. It was actually like super uh, along with being entertaining. It was also very educational educational on just like how foils are made so i think doing more of that is like a cool idea right maybe there's more ways you can customize the foils with the artist input or whatever but still pack foils get rid of them i'm just done oh yeah done with pack foils it, it's <laughs> not cool anymore say that nowadays <clears throat> but i actually would rather not have a foil in every pack <laughs> yeah like the i get it they're trying to capture the hype of like pokemon pack like opening you know like content right like oh the hype is insane because there's always a foil and all of that, yada, yada, yeah. But I don't know. Pokemon nailed it, and somehow Magic still needs to figure it out. How? Oh, and, and one one minor detail that I forgot to mention about, like you know, the new Secret Lair promo arts and stuff uh, with the red foiling. I found out recently for the listeners uh, that that artist and the art and why it looks so familiar is because I went to go see the band that has that artist work on one of their album arts. Neck Deep's uh, album, uh, uh, Life Is Not Out To Get You, is done by uh, Ricardo Cavallo. And I thought that that's why it looks so familiar. But yeah, I kind of want this red tint. I think it looks cool. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see once they actually reveal the paper card. All right. We're, we're getting near the end of the cast, and we got to do a fish mail, but I got to ask you one more one more quick question. So one little lightning round at the end uh, at the end of the cast. So there's a post on the MTG Arena Reddit that got uh, some traction this week that was basically asking, uh, what's the what's the best or what's your favorite magic content creator? And I thought it'd be cool to uh, to ask you guys that. Is there anyone that makes magic content? Maybe someone that I mean, obviously, you can say LSV or something that everyone knows and that's fine. But maybe someone that people wouldn't know that you'd be like, hey, you should like check them out they make some good stuff so any any recommendations for magic content creators that you like or you think the audience should uh, should maybe check out oh definitely uh easily mtg goldfish i'm just kidding uh so <laughs> up and comer <laughs> yeah crim uh and, and saffron olive up and coming content creators um i i genuinely love just like i think i'd i, I know a few but i think jim uh, Jim Davis, he's always great. There's a lot of content all around, but he does some fun, like, you know, uh, bronze to mythic events and just Jim is very insightful. Jim is like the exactly the player that balances the between fun and informative. Uh, I, I really like watching Jim, Jim Davis. Jim's great. Yeah. I mean, so what about you? CGB Richard? also. Any, yeah, that's another good one. Any any recommends, Richard? All right. Uh. I'll recommend Geek and Seek. So Geek and Seek, uh, they, they have commander content. And Morgan, who's on the show, who, who runs Geek and Seek, also edits uh, this podcast and also Commander Clash. Wait, <laughs> isn't that indirectly then shouting? Okay, all right, whatever. <laughs> so Morgan doesn't make MTG Goldfish content as a personality. He edits it. 
but you should check out his actual channel uh, where he does gameplay, like live in-person gameplay. Uh, so shout out to that. Make me look good in the podcast, Morgan. Thank you. Uh, I, so, so check out, like, I, I actually, like, there's a reason why he's working on her stuff, right? Because I watched, I watched his channel, but I didn't know who he was, right? And I, I was really impressed by it. So I, I would check out Geek and Seek. Geek with the, uh, this terrible branding, Morgan. Geek with the, with the single quotes around the end and then Seek. Geek and Seek. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. All right. So, I mean, I like a lot of magic content creators. Obviously, you know, Jim Davis, CGB, LSV. There's so many people who've been doing it forever, but I'm always trying to look for n- brand new content creators that uh, I don't know that are new to YouTube, new to making content. And one that I've noticed recently that I've liked their content is called Salubrious Snail. They've only been around for like six months on YouTube. I think they got like around 10k subs, but they make these cool like semi-animated uh like videos about mostly about uh, building your commander decks and like some tips on that but the style's unique their thumbnails are like very unique and i like their content i don't i've never met them personally i have no idea like who they are but uh celebrity snail you can check it out over on youtube uh, they make some cool videos so i wanted to give them a quick shout out but before we wrap things up richard why don't you fish mail us i think we can sneak in a fish mail this week all right. Uh, the one. Wait. If you have questions, send them to at mggoldfish with the hashtag mggfishmail. Get to your questions on air. Uh, at wanderer underscore the. How would you feel about a mechanic that speeds up the game after a player has been knocked out of an EDH pod, so they don't have to wait around too long? For example, draw step is doubled. God, okay. I, okay. So is this meant to speed up the game, like in duration, like in gameplay? Because I uh, there's a Hearthstone card called Nuzdormu or something like that, and Ooh, and that, is that the like 10 second turn one? Yeah, everybody gets 10 <laughs> to 15 second. Turn. I want that. I want that in Commander. I want that in on Arena. I I want that just to be an emblem on Arena that everybody has. Like, God, there are some long turns, and I really love that. Like, look. I play decks that are slow, but I take my turns fast. And maybe that's because my tournament days has taught me to value the clock. And I think that's something that is getting lost in like um, amongst like, you know, players nowadays. So I know it's casual, but you can do things casually fast. Maybe it's my ADHD. I don't know. But the point here is like, I want it to be faster. So that's what I think. I think that the mechanic should be an emblem where everybody has 15 second turns. Go. Whew, that would be that would be some speed commander. I like the idea of having there be a way that minimizes how long you're sitting there after you're out of the game. But I don't know about like everyone draws two cards or something. It seems a little ham fisted to me. I would like to see more mechanics maybe that help the game close out. Like we have goad in a lot of these mechanics that are designed for four player. But then once you get down to three players or two players, they get worse and worse until they stop working altogether. It would be kind of cool to have some four player mechanics that work the other way that as players drop out, your cards actually get more powerful. So you can close out the game rather than as players drop out, they get worse and worse. So you can't close out the game. So I wouldn't mind some subtle stuff like that with card design, but I don't know if I want to rule where like hey, everyone draws three cards when someone gets taken out or something. That would just be weird to me. I, if someone died, the game is going forward. So I would actually want it to be turn based, but like that's kind of hard to track because you're like, what turn is it? But like all modern games have this, right? Like Fortnite, the 
the thingy. Yeah, the, 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 <laughs> it shrinks, yes. The, the arena shrinking. shrinks to force you to finish the game. I would like to see maybe damage is doubled, mana is doubled, draw extra Ooh. cards, or maybe like if you didn't attack or something, or if you didn't play two spells, something happens to you. I don't know, but like some random effect that causes the game to uh, have agency. And you know, it'd be funny if someone Armageddoned and then like everyone just took like four damage a turn because no one was progressing the game. Like that would actually close out the game, right? Like so. I think you'd solve a lot of issues if you just forced the game to come to a conclusion and you'd have to figure out how to do that in a meaningful way. But everyone would know about it before the game started so you could build your deck around it. But like, drawing cards is a step. They need, they need like a negative monarch. They need some sort of monarch-like mechanic that moves around the table, but is dealing like so much damage to you each turn. So once it starts going, it's just going to keep going. Something like that could actually be, could be really cool. Yeah, I don't know it, what would trigger it or how it would pass around, but like that would be the type of thing that would keep the game progressing. It, it needs to be true damage. Like you, you lose like a third of your life or something, so you can't turn it off. Like like the fountain in League of Legends. You get in there, you're dead no matter what's happening, right? Like you get like one second in there and then you're dead. So like some mega Ooh. infect or something where you just start accumulating it and then you will die. <laughs> like you can't out life gain it or, or something like that. So I would like to see that. That's a very interesting idea. Yeah. You could even have a deal commander damage. That would be flavorful in the format. Mm, we already have a mechanic to to have true damage. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. And it would solve things like Armageddoning out of nowhere and stalling the game because the game. Yeah, will, at least the game. The game will end. <laughs> oh, you know what it could be? You just start flipping cards off the top of your deck until you hit a permanent. <laughs> 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 like every turn, you just like like it's like an imaginary chaos warp or something, and sooner or later, someone's gonna die from this, right? <laughs> So everyone has like a prismatic bridge emblem or something. Yeah. Once, <laughs> once you get to that point, it just keeps, yeah, everyone fills it until someone dies. Everyone dies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I like that idea. I like that idea. I, this, this is what the RC should be working on, I feel. Like, <laughs> like, like crazy ways to make the game better, right? Rather than like very small incremental improvements. Like every modern game has this. They, they need to make sure the game doesn't, drag on and they they regulate how long the play experience is so that it's predictable and it's the optimal one whatever that number is for engagement right oh yeah can okay. you imagine fortnite if you could just like hide and the like shadows on the fringes <laughs> of the board forever like it would be a horrible game yeah yeah everyone <laughs> anyway, loves eight hour fortnite matches seth <laughs> <laughs> anyway how do how do people send in fish mail for next week all right, send send in how you how you would fix the EDH <laughs> game uh, game speeding up mechanic at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fishmail, and we'll get to your comments on air. And I believe that brings us to the end of episode 470 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So Richard Cribb, thanks for hanging out. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting this show. And we'll be back next week to talk about our first impressions of Murderous at Carlove Manor and whatever else goes on in the world of magic. So until then, have an amazing week, everyone. And this is the crew signing out. Yeah.